Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary, Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include FHFA's temporary hold on DTI pricing, my interview with Richie Mays, Michael Nugier, on the latest in mortgage cybersecurity, and how these bank failures have affected MBS pricing. I'd like to thank today's podcast sponsor, Richie May. Recently named Top 100 Firm by Inside Public Accounting, Richie May is a recognized leader in providing specialized advisory, audit, tax, cybersecurity, technology, and other services to the mortgage industry. The firm has also consistently been recognized as one of the fastest-growing firms in the country and has been named to the Housing Wire Tech 100 and Mortgage, Accounting Today Firms to Watch, and the fastest-growing firms. Firms also received multiple awards for excellence in firm culture from inside public accounting. To experience how Richie May can help you transform your mortgage business, visit richiemay.com. News can be thrown at our business that has no rhyme or reason. Yesterday was one of those days, including FHFA's temporary hold on DTI pricing. FHFA, overseer of Fannie and Freddie, has taken a number of steps since January of 2022 to update Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, or the enterprise's, single-family guarantee fee pricing framework with a special focus on upfront fees. In January 2023, FHFA announced redesigned and recalibrated grids for upfront fees, in addition to a new upfront fee for certain borrowers with a debt-to-income, or DTI ratio, above 40%. These updated pricing grids include the upfront fee eliminations announced in October 2022 to increase pricing support for purchase borrowers limited by income or by wealth. Since the January 2023 announcement, FHFA has received feedback from mortgage industry stakeholders about the operational changes of implementing the DTI ratio-based fee. FHFA has decided to delay the effective date of the DTI ratio-based fee by three months to August 1, 2023 to ensure a level playing field for all lenders to have sufficient time to deploy the fee. In addition, lenders will not be subject to post-purchase price adjustments related to this DTI ratio-based fee for loans acquired by the enterprises between August 1, 2023 and December 31, 2023. This temporary price adjustment exception will not alter any other quality control review decisions by the enterprises. During this time, FHFA and the enterprises will continue to engage with industry stakeholders to address operational concerns. MBA's Bob Rokesmith was quick to react. Quote, While we appreciate the delay, we are disappointed that FHFA's statement did not recognize the need to consider alternatives to using a debt-to-income pricing adjustment. From the beginning, MBA has emphasized FHFA that DTI-based DTI loan-level pricing adjustments are simply not workable for lenders and borrowers alike. DTI can fluctuate throughout the mortgage application and underwriting process, and FHFA's new fees will inevitably lead to borrowers' costs changing between application and closing, requiring multiple disclosures that will increase compliance costs and confuse borrowers. We will use the extra time offered by the change in the effective date to continue working with FHFA to explore alternatives that will not pose undue hardships on borrowers and lenders. End quote. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome to the show Richie Mays, Michael Nogier, to talk about the latest in mortgage cybersecurity. 
With extensive experience in cybersecurity and financial services, Michael is a Chief Information Security Officer and leads Richie May's mortgage banking cybersecurity practice. With more than 15 years of experience providing enterprise information, security, and risk management services to various organizations, from mid-market to enterprise, Michael has invaluable expertise and a holistic view of the mortgage cybersecurity and threat landscape. Hey, how's it going, Robbie? Good, how are you? I am good. Good. So it's been a while since you've been with us, and I miss you dearly, obviously. You were last here in October of last year, and a lot's changed in the mortgage industry since then. Rates went down, rates went up, rates went down. We've had bank failures. The The Fed has gotten more hawkish. A lot, a lot of things going on out there. I heard you speak about the cybersecurity reality gap. Can you share with us what this means to you and how it applies to the market conditions we're in right now? Absolutely. Um, and again, it's great to be back. I've, I've missed you dearly too, Robbie. Uh, <laughs> um, the, the reality gap is, is what we talk about when there is a budget for cybersecurity and a risk appetite within, within a mortgage bank. And, and really those two align and, and hit a goal for um, a level of maturity and protection within an organization. But it doesn't consider the, the entirety of risk from, from an IT and cybersecurity perspective. And that creates a gap between the risk appetite and the actual risk within an organization and what the current budget is set to cover. And so uh, a lot of organizations aren't diving that deep into their understanding of, of risk when it comes to cybersecurity, uh, especially in changing markets like we're seeing right now where interest rates have increased uh, and it's caused a lot of um, fluctuation in, in the mortgage industry. Uh, and so what, what is happening is risk is being accepted without um, even being considered. And it's creating this gap in where they are currently budgeted for protection and where they need to be. And not everything in cybersecurity has to cost money, but at least understanding what risk is being introduced as the market is changing and organization sizes are changing, uh, increasing or decreasing, and um, what technologies are not being renewed, all of that needs to be considered from a risk perspective before moving forward. And so this, this, it's this reality gap that we're talking about is uh, we're making changes um, at least at this point in the market to to save right from cost savings initiatives, but risk needs to be the driving factor there in order to make sure that our organizations are protected moving forward. To build on that, how can the reality gap effectively protect mortgage lenders from threats? I guess, how do you calculate the cybersecurity ROI? Yeah, I mean, in cybersecurity, we we talk about ROI, and it's really hard because spending money on a tool set or consulting and advising uh, it doesn't doesn't have a, a huge quantitative factor to it, right? The average cost of a breach in the United States is over nine million dollars. In the mid-sized market, it's between one hundred and twenty thousand and and half a million dollars, and so. Can you legitimately say that by hiring a, a consultant or by integrating this software that you your ROI is that much money? Right? Quantitatively, it's really hard. If you're being protected and you don't have any cyber uh, attacks or, or notable cyber attacks, right? is your cost savings truly half a million dollars or $9 million? And so we look more towards the 
the ROSI rather than the ROI, which is the return on security investment. Uh, and so it takes into considerations uh, into consideration a lot of other effect, uh, a, a lot of other impacts to the organization. Um, more so talking about the number of events that, that were mitigated due to security tool sets, uh, the level of maturity that the organization's at, right? In the mortgage banking world, the FFIEC um, really dictates a lot of controls based on uh, the FTC and a lot of other regulatory bodies, but the FFIEC is the most comprehensive cybersecurity assessment uh, program. Uh, that there is. And so rating your maturity against that and making sure that at least annually you're improving in that maturity, right? You're making making leeway towards a, a greater maturity, which is a lower risk, right? The FFIC can be considered, or this, the FFIEC cybersecurity assessment can be considered a a risk assessment because it is opening the eyes to um, specifically the financial industry on all the controls that need to be in place in order to have a successful program that checks the box on all of the compliance requirements, but also protects your organization. So, right, setting metrics for where the where the organization currently is in the current state, where they want to be in the future state, and setting timelines around that can help define what the return on security investment is rather than right a, a quantitative financial value. You have a quantitative value that aligns with a roadmap and a maturity uh, and it aligns with the number of events that were protected against inside of an organization so that you can understand how effectively your cybersecurity program is protecting your organization. Well put. When markets go down, cyber criminals get more creative. And I want to ask you, what are you seeing right now out there in the market? Yeah, I mean, this last week has really shaken the entirety of the United States with the collapse of a Silicon Valley Bank um, and, and some other regional banks joining in on that, right? And, and then the Fed stepping up and, and making some considerations has really kind of shaken the entirety of, of small business, medium business, and even enterprises out there. And so... Typically in times of, <clears throat> of concern like this, where we are seeing such large market, market conditions happening like this, uh, that creates uh, an opportunity for cyber attackers, right? Um, people are checking their emails, their, their right, organizations that, that do have to rush to do specific things because of these impacts on the market are getting constantly attacked by threat actors that are sending emails, making phone calls, sending text messages, saying, uh, promising things about getting your money out, right? That the whole cause of this was a potential bank run at SVB and people wanted to make sure that their money was safe. And so a lot of emails, malicious in, in intent, were going out to a lot of organizations promising stability, promising money at low rates in order to weather the storm of this financial collapse that was happening at SVB. And they were not legitimate. They're there to steal credentials like passwords and usernames. They're there to steal bank accounts or, or get money transferred to the wrong locations. And so cyber attackers are taking the opportunity today and this last week to really exploit this opportunity around what has happened in the last week. 
Uh, and so right now, my, my recommendations for organizations are to be extremely vigilant, right? Um, review every email that's coming in, especially if it's asking for you to click on a link or log in or send your password or financial information over email. Make sure that it's legitimate. If you don't know if it's legitimate, check the sender, email the sender back, uh, the legitimate sender back. Uh, ask your IT and security departments, ask your trusted third parties um, if it's legitimate or not. Uh, because those, those non-technical checks can save an organization from having to try and recoup money or change passwords or lose access to their environment. Uh, and so, again, during times where there is uh, any kind of shakeup in the world, even talking about the Russian Ukraine conflict, right? There's a lot of opportunity for cyber attackers to exploit that and send out, right, fake fake Red Cross emails, things like that. And so, making sure that we are doing our due diligence to make to understand that the emails are legitimate, the phone calls are legitimate, and and holding our information tight to our chest, making sure that we're not giving away information without trusting and verifying the other end. So I think it begs asking the question, what's one thing our listeners can do today to better protect themselves and their mortgage businesses? Yeah, I, I think it's it's really, it's, it's hard to just choose one thing, right? Um, I do the same thing with my kids on their birthday. They present me a list of 20 things that they want and I say, you have to choose one. And it's one of the hardest things to do. Right now, I'll give an anecdote for a couple things, right? One is to truly start understanding the risk of, that your organization has, right? Cybersecurity risk is business risk, right? It does impact the organization and making sure that those align, that you're doing risk assessments from what can impact the business uh, from a financial perspective and a global markets perspective, make sure that cyber is included in that. Because once you understand your risk appetite, you can then start to protect that you can understand what is acceptable, what we need to mitigate, what we can transfer by using third parties, right? And so making sure you gain that visibility into what your risk and maturity is. And then, uh, as I already stated, right, staying vigilant, right? The, the number one attack vector for any organization is the human element. It's email, it's text messages, it's phone calls. People are susceptible to those attacks. There's not a lot of technical controls that we can employ to force the human element to act differently. And so making sure that the human element is protected by sending out constant reminders to stay vigilant, to trust but verify on emails, making sure that we're we're looking into the senders, we're not entering our password on 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 websites that aren't legitimate, things along those lines, making sure that that, that training and education element is there for the human element of our organizations. Michael, I enjoyed this as always, and I look forward to having you back on the podcast soon. Absolutely. Me too, Robbie. Thanks so much. Turning to the bond markets, the U.S. Treasury market has experienced extreme volatility following the collapses of Signature and Silicon Valley and Silvergate banks, and investors are concerned the disruption may persist. Experts expect thinner markets and more volatile price moves until it becomes clear how many banks are affected by the failure. How about the impact on securities backed by mortgages? Agency MBS prices have nearly disconnected from treasuries. The yield on the two-year treasury security has seen its largest rate move in 35 years. 
We've seen a large spike in implied volatility, and a large risk-off move led by the financial sector certainly argues for more risk premium and spreads. But as one trader put it, quote, rather than viewing this as a buying opportunity, it seems most market participants now expect further widening from here. Seemingly for a couple main reasons. One, the SVB and signature asset portfolios are likely to come out and be a significant weight on the market. And two, the fallout from these events solidifies the fact that banks will never buy agency MBS again, and possibly even sell. In general, quantitative easing went on for too long and forced banks to reach for yield out the curve, like 10-year, 30-year instruments at the worst possible price at the worst possible time, immediately followed by a violent reversal of monetary policy. Depository banks have already decreased their demand for mortgage-backed securities. Will it continue? And if it does, who will be the natural buyer for MBS, jumbo, and non-agency securities? End quote. Rate hike expectations swung wildly again yesterday, with the Fed Fund's futures market showing the implied likelihood of a hike next Wednesday is now close to a toss-up, and there's more than a 50% implied likelihood of a June cut. The producer price index for final demand declined 0.1% month-over-month in February, when it was expected to increase 0.3%. Excluding food and energy, the index for final demand was flat month-over-month. This will likely be seen by the Fed as a positive inflation report, as it also featured month-over-month declines in pipeline measures that include the index for both unprocessed and processed goods for intermediate demand. We also learned that total retail sales for February declined 0.4% month-over-month as there were declines in most retail sales categories following large gains in January. Today's calendar already has the complete set of data out for release. Topless claims came in at 192,000, still low, with 1.684 million continuing claims. Housing starts and building permits were up 9.8% and 13.8% respectively, which were both surprising. Later today brings a rate hike decision from the European Central Bank, where a 25 basis points hike is expected, before a treasury auction of 20-year bonds and 10-year tips. We begin the day with the two-year back up to 3.96%, agency MBS prices an eighth better, and the 10-year yielding 3.44% after closing yesterday at 3.49%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. Dylan McFadden is at the funeral of an old friend. He approaches the dead man's wife, Maggie Cleary, and asks if he could say a word. The wife says, yes, please do. So Dylan stands up, clears his throat, and says, plethora. The wife smiles and says, thank you. That means a lot. That joke's for intellectuals only. To stay competitive in this market, lenders need to find efficiencies and understand their operations in a much deeper way. Richie Mays Consulting, Cybersecurity, Business Intelligence, and Automation Services are designed by mortgage experts to help you continue to drive growth and increase profitability. Visit richiemay.com advisory to learn more about how you can differentiate your business or set up a meeting with one of Richie Mays experts. about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.